What would be better for the New Orleans Saints than finding a new offensive coordinator from the Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan coaching trees? Finding one from both, of course. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, your New Orleans Saints expert, credentialed media member covering the New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to be going through our mock draft for Mock Draft Monday, why it's not going to be easy for the New Orleans Saints to land a playmaker early in the draft, how a cornerback need could be on the way to being created, and how would the New Orleans Saints address that. And to start us all off, we're going right back to the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator search as a new name has entered the chat while one has now been sort of removed from the list. Appreciate you every day for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day and for being an everydayer here on the show. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn wants to help you find the quality candidates that you're looking for faster and for free. So post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. It's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So here on today's episode to kick us all off, the New Orleans Saints add a new name to the offensive coordinator search list and a very, very good one. Gerard Johnson would be a very good hire for the New Orleans Saints. This was another name that we kind of bandied about a little bit uh, as we were talking about offensive coordinators after the OC move was already made for New Orleans. They had parted ways with Pete Carmichael. This is a guy that's atop a lot of people's lists. Let's discuss why. So Gerard Johnson is a fairly young coach in the NFL. He didn't really even enter coaching in the league proper uh, until about four years ago, but then had two years as an intern uh, right before then, came in with the Indianapolis Colts for a little while, Minnesota Vikings as well, kind of doing some internships, part of that Bill Walsh diversity internship um, uh, 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 partnership or, or program rather and everything. And then he was able to move on from there, particularly with the Minnesota Vikings from that up to, or excuse me, from the Indianapolis Colts, from that up to uh, a look as their uh, offensive quality control guy. And so basically that's just making sure that like folks are doing the things that they're supposed to do, that routes are being run, that people are staying, you know, maintaining lane integrity, that the you know gaps and everything are protected, yada, yada, yada. So there's a lot of good stuff that you learn from doing that. And then he ended up working his way up to assistant quarterback coach with the Minnesota Vikings. And then eventually, most recently, quarterback coach with the Houston Texans, who just had a phenomenal season. I know they just got bounced from the playoffs there, but look, the work that he did with CJ Shroud, so easy to kind of look at it and say, okay, well, that's a reason why you'll look at this guy in today's NFL head coaching circles, or excuse me, offensive coordinator circles. Um, you know, you look at the work that he did uh, with even Kirk Cousins when he was working with the Minnesota Vikings, all of that. So there's a lot of good stuff there that you can pick up from what Gerard Johnson has done, where he goes, quarterbacks tend to perform well. Now, here's the other piece that I'll mention about the coaching trees, right? I mentioned about like being a part of both coaching trees. There's effectively like five coaching trees that are available and open in the NFL right now in terms of ones that are still growing, right? You've got the Bill Belichick coaching tree, as well as of course the Andy Reid coaching tree, which the Saints don't look to be super interested in right now. 
But this is a guy, Draw Johnson, who touches three of the five active coaching trees in the NFL, or three of the five, let's call them biggest coaching trees. Like technically, Sean Payton has a coaching tree because of Doug Peterson, right? And Sean Payton has a coaching tree because of Mike McCarthy, but that's kind of as far as that goes. And those were kind of guys who have also like built their own thing, you know? Like Mike McCarthy's been in the NFL for a long time, technically doesn't really have a like parent coach. And then Sean doesn't really have a parent coach in the NFL, so on and so forth. But if you look at the five that are available, we talked about Bilicek and Reed, but this guy has worked with Frank Reich when he was with the Indianapolis Colts, Draw Johnson has, worked with Frank Reich, that's another active head coaching tree, including guys like Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, stuff like that. Um, then he was with Kevin O'Connell with the uh, Minnesota Vikings, which then puts him in the Sean McVay coaching tree, because Kevin O'Connell was a direct dude from Sean McVay. And then... As he was working with the Houston Texans, he was working with offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, as well as head coach DeMarco Ryans, D'Amico Ryans, excuse me, both of which are Kyle Shanahan guys. So now he's a part of the Kyle Shanahan tree. So Frank Reich, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, those are some pretty dang good coaching trees to be a part of, right? And he ends up being a part of all three. So that's a pretty big move by the New Orleans Saints. It's a pretty great, you know, interview request. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of news about requested interviews, not seeing them publish anything about like this interview is complete, that interview is complete. So I'm curious about timelines on some of these. But we do know that for the Saints, they have, they've now requested interviews with four different coaches, one of which is new in Gerard Johnson. And so to continue the power rankings there, I would put Gerard Johnson above both Shane Waldron and Dan Pitcher, but still below Zach Robinson. Like Zach Robinson and Clint Kubiak are going to be my two number one guys um, in this coaching search if Clint Kubiak gets the request. But things got a little bit more interesting because Shane Waldron, now technically off of the list, he is getting a deal done, it's, it looks like, according to reports from Tom Pelissero and others, with the Chicago Bears to be their next offensive coordinator. So that would mean that our rankings then change back to just three coaches currently that have been requested to interview. Again, I don't know if the interviews have happened yet. I'm sure we'll start to get information about that here soon. But Zach Robinson at number one, Gerard Johnson at number two, and then Dan Pitcher at number three for those three. And again, the Dan Pitcher hire would not be a bad hire. I just think that Dan Pitcher is just one of those guys that you, you get worried about the scheme that he was a part of and the scheme that the New Orleans Saints had last year and how those two things could have overlap. So what you'd be hoping is that you're getting sort of the Jake Browning version of the Cincinnati Bengals offense, not the Joe Burrow version of the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Not that the Joe Burrow offense is a bad offense. It's great for Joe Burrow. It's great with Joe Burrow. The New Orleans Saints do not have Joe Burrow. They have Derek Carr. Derek Carr is somebody that you want to have a lot more of that eye candy stuff. He can run all of that. You want him as a part of that offense. You want to have the creativity over on the side so that the system elevates the quarterback, the quarterback elevates the system, the playmakers elevate the system, and the system elevates the playmakers. Boom. That's a great share to have. I think that's what the New Orleans Saints need here in 2024. So Zach Robinson still atop the list, but Gerard Johnson would be a fantastic hire for this team as well. Coming up next, speaking of playmakers, we got even more for you on today's episode because it's going to be a challenge for the New Orleans Saints to find a playmaker early in the draft with where they select in the first and second rounds, at least right now. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is helping all of the small businesses out there ask the answer, rather, the question that everyone's asking now that we're into 2024. What's the one move that I can make 
to take my small business to the next level in the new year. Well, we all know that your success is all about the success of the team that you put around you and LinkedIn Jobs is gonna help to make sure that that success is easy to find. It's not like any other job board. We're talking about a vast network of over a billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N different uh, professionals, which makes it so much easier and the best place to hire out there. And it's easy to find those quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses end up getting qualified candidates within the first 24 hours, just 24 hours. You got to love that. So go and check them out today. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, family, it is not going to be easy for the New Orleans Saints to find a playmaker in the NFL draft, at least as we look at the boards today. And that's going to make things maybe easier, maybe more challenging for the New Orleans Saints, depending upon how they navigate free agency. We got that coming up for you here as we continue on the show. We appreciate you very much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day and for being an everyday or here on the show. Don't forget that Locked On Sports Today YouTube page has the has the uh, uh, YouTube's first 24-7 national sports media stream. Make sure you go and check it out today over on YouTube. That's Locked On Sports Today. All right, so as we get into a look here at our Mock Draft Monday, my scenario going into this, into this week was How do the New Orleans Saints find a playmaker on the offensive side, whether at wide receiver, running back, tight end, even maybe like whatever, uh, by sitting at 14 in the first round, not trading up. And that was my one caveat was that I didn't want to trade up because then, you know, we're we're mixing things around. We're not really talking about who the New Orleans Saints could land at 14, yada, yada. I'm not ready to embark on that conversation yet. We know that 13 teams will pick in front of the New Orleans Saints. We have no idea who those 13 teams are because teams trade up and all that other stuff. So I wasn't even going to like jump into that conversation just yet. But I wanted to focus on, okay, if you stay at 14, who's likely to be there, right? And we never know. But from what I could see by running over and over and over on these mocks and these simulations, it's going to be tough to find somebody at 14 that's a playmaker. A guy like Roma Dunzi, the, uh, the wide receiver, uh, who would be phenomenal in this New Orleans Saints offense, would be a great addition to guys like Chris Olave and Rishi Shahid and A.T. Perry kind of come in and be your young Michael Thomas. He's going to be probably a top 10 guy, we think, right? We'll see. We thought D.K. Metcalf was going to be a top 15 guy. Look what happened with him, right? You never know what's going to happen in the NFL draft. And anybody that tells you that they do know exactly what's going to happen in the NFL draft is only going to disappoint you because they're liars. So as we look at this, from what we can see today, January 22nd of 2024, the 2024 NFL draft doesn't have a lot of playmakers at the top of its draft, but that could actually work out in the favor of the New Orleans Saints because that's not where their biggest needs are. Their biggest needs are working on their offensive line, working on their defensive line, things like this, and potentially creating a new need later on in the offseason. We're going to get to that here in just a sec. So let's just start off with where I had to go in the first round. Look, my playmaker option was Brian Thomas Jr., the wide receiver out of LSU. He could be that X receiver guy for you. He's 6'3", he's 200 plus pounds. Like he would be a good fit for the New Orleans Saints offense. I knew that any evaluation that I brought about Brian Thomas would be overshadowed by the fact that he's an LSU Tiger. And so like it would just kind of be, it would fall on deaf ears, right? So I avoided that, but he's an option is all I'm gonna say. Um, You look at, 
guys like Rome, you look at some of these other wide receivers that are in the first round that could be pretty good, but they're not 14, right? Or they're well gone before 14. Guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, and Malik Neighbors and, and, and Rome, like they're all gone by the time that you get to 14. But when you, so when you start looking at playmakers, there's not really any first round running back playmaker types in this year's draft. Maybe like where the Saints are, the highest drafted running back that they could potentially go is like Jonathan Brooks out of, uh, out of Texas, who does a little bit of everything, um, but not a first round selection. Uh, you look at the wide receivers, Troy Franklin out of, uh, out of Oregon doesn't really fit the mold of what the New Orleans Saints need. He's, He's six foot three, but he's like 190 pounds. He's a little bit more of a vertical threat. You, you kind of got that. You, you're looking really for the big bodied 50 50 ball type of guy. And there's not really a lot of those options in the middle of the first round. So I, I just kind of had to go with what I had on the board, despite what my scenario was, and then try to find a playmaker a little bit later. And we do get that done. But let's just start off with where we went to begin this draft at pick 14. I went right back to the offensive line and I went with uh, Talisa Fuaga. I mean, this was an easy selection. The offensive tackle out of Oregon State, six foot six, 334 pounds, a, a, a tiny bit heavier than what the Saints usually go for at tackle. He's a junior, plays a lot of right tackle, but has the athleticism to potentially move over to left tackle if the Saints wanted to go that route. But uh, outside of that, like, this is just an easy selection. I think, because you're still wanting to work on the offensive line. He has not allowed a, did not allow a single sack throughout his career while he was at Oregon State, only allowed 23 pressures and has 25 consecutive games started, 13 in 2022, 12 here in 2023, uh, plays a ton of snaps and has seen a ton of action, uh, but doesn't get worked while he's doing, while, while he's in the midst of that action. This is another one of those guys that you could put in a zone scheme and a man blocking scheme in the run game, and he can do both. He's got the athleticism to hang there. He's got the athleticism also to be able to jump back, get into his pass set, be able to beat, um, you know, pass rushers to the tops of their arcs, things like that. Like when you think about athleticism, oftentimes when it comes to an offensive lineman, we tend to limit that to the run game. Oh, can they get to the second level? Can they, you know, uh, can they pull and can they get ahead and be a lead blocker for running back down the field? But really you need your athleticism as a pass blocker too. Because if you think about it as a pass blocker, what's the first thing you do? You jump backwards, right? You move backwards and you kind of have that, that step to get yourself engaged and ready to go and, and be able to hold off a blocker. And so you have to be athletic enough to be able to take that step the way that you need to, to be able to combat a speed rusher that's looking to what's called run the arc, right? To bend around and try to get around to the quarterback. You've got to be able to catch that person at the top of their bend. So if you look at it as like this kind of like parabolic thing, how do you get to the peak of that, right? And so in order for you to get there, you've got to be athletic enough to be able to move, right? You got to move. If you're that, if, if you're an offensive lineman, you're not just going to stand there and wait for this guy to run to you. You got to be able to beat them to their arc, especially when you're blocking over on the outside. And look, even as a right tackle in the NFL, you have to be ready for that because a lot of elite edge rushers rush from the left side of their defensive line, which is the right side of the offensive line. So, you know, you think about guys like JJ Watt and Khalil Mack, even Cam Jordan, right? Like these are all guys that oftentimes rush from the right tackle side, not the left tackle side. It's one of the reasons why I've always pushed back against that argument that like the left tackle is more important or the most important player on the offensive line. Most important player on the offensive line should change every single game. When you're going up against Jeffrey Simmons, your most important offensive linemen are the ones in the middle. Like it's just that simple, right? And so 
you know, he's this big time defensive tackle with the Tennessee Titans. Like that's what you have to be concerned about, not who's running the edge and everything. Although Harold Landry gave the New Orleans Saints a little bit of a headache week one. Let's not be, let's not, let's not uh, be coy about it. So yeah, I, look, I, I like the idea of the Saints if they can address appropriately their offensive line, their defensive line in free agency to then turn around and maybe look at the opportunity of a playmaker. But if you're going to do that, you either need to trade up or you need to trade down, at least as the board falls today. We'll see. A guy like Troy Franklin might put on you know 10 pounds and then be in that 200-pound area, show that he can win some 50-50 balls and that he has a little bit more of the body than we think he does right now and all that. And then all of a sudden, he moves up the board a little bit for you. Like That all can happen for sure. Uh, but we just haven't seen that yet. And we know that like the board changes, the, the projections change once the senior bowl happens, the combine happens, all that. And speaking of, by the way, uh, Fuaga will be at the senior bowl. In fact, all three players are going to be breaking down today. Again, will be at the senior bowl. It is a heavily populated senior bowl this year, especially now with them able to take underclassmen in. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff. So we're starting off our, um, starting off our, our mock draft with, uh, Talisa Fuaga, out of Oregon State, the offensive tackle. Now, is the idea of a cornerback being moved, right? The idea of Marshawn Lattimore, does that create a big need at cornerback? And how could the Saints address that in this year's NFL draft? We're going to look at that next as we continue on with our Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Saints podcast, part of Locked On Podcast. I work your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and our official sports betting partner here on the Locked on Podcast Network. The AFC and NFC Championship games are set. The Kansas City Chiefs will be traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore three and a half point favorites. Detroit will be traveling to the Bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers favored by almost a touchdown, six and a half point favorites there. So if you like those, this is a great time to get in on the action over at FanDuel and maybe a good time to take those big underdogs like the Detroit Lions, because if you're a first time user over at FanDuel, you're going to get a $150 bonus in bonus bets guaranteed when you simply place any $5 bet. Doesn't matter what the bet is, and it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's $150 in bonus bets. So if you put $5 down on the Detroit Lions at six minus six and a half, and they end up winning, you get that winnings plus that bonus bet of 150 bucks. So go and visit them today, fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. If the New Orleans Saints are going to create a need for themselves at cornerback, they can take care of themselves and get that need covered up in the 2024 NFL Draft, although it would not be an ideal practice. I appreciate you very much. Don't forget, we are your team every day. So we'll be right here back with you, a new episode tomorrow as we take a look at the offensive coordinator candidates that the New Orleans Saints should absolutely avoid. And yes, John Gruden is on that list. We'll discuss why and some of the other other guys that I think that they should avoid as well in tomorrow's Tuesday episode of Locked on Saints. So if the New Orleans Saints do indeed trade away Marshawn Lattimore, which I still think would be a bad move if you're the New Orleans Saints. Um, they can find other corners in this year's NFL draft. Now, it's it's a little bit different, right? You're not looking for a Marshawn Lattimore replacement because you're looking at guys like Paul Sadebo and Alante Taylor to move into roles. If you return Isaac Yadam, he moves into the roles. So those are the guys that you're looking to kind of cover up for the Marshawn Lattimore trade, but you want the depth 
You want the rookies. You want to continue to develop. There's one position, not one position, but if there is one position that the New Orleans Saints have done a fantastic job developing so far early on in Dennis Allen's tenure, and it goes back to 2017, goes back to 2016, it's 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 corner, right? It's it's the secondary, we can call it. We can call it defensive backs. They've, done, they've been pretty solid with safeties as well. So if we look at where the Saints are with that and where they're drafting, in the second round, they could land themselves a pretty good cornerback. Do they need to do it in the second round? No, they could go offensive line, defensive line, defensive line, offensive line, and they can find another cornerback later on in the draft. There's some good, talented corners that are going to continue to climb the board here, especially with the senior bowl and the combine, all that. Um, but in this scenario and in this simulation, it made sense to go corner with who was left on the board as I went back up uh, in the second round, uh, which is, of course, pick number 45 uh, in in the, the PFF mock draft simulator. So let's take a look at who I went with. Um, and I went to um, Iowa State, believe it or not, for a corner here. Uh, TJ Tampa, six foot two, 200 pounds. He's a senior. Yes, he will indeed be at the Senior Bowl as well. Uh, TJ Tampa out of Iowa State at corner, six to 200 pounds. So he fits the, the mold of what the New Orleans Saints like at corner, big, uh, tall, uh, you know, has the weight behind him to be able to man up and do all this other stuff and, and, and play in a man heavy scheme and everything. Uh, he's got, he had two interceptions in 2023, 19 career passes defense. And in 2023, he allowed a pass rating of just 58.4 when he was targeted. And every year that number crept in the right direction. You go back to 2021, it was like over 120 was the passer rating. Then it got down to the 70s. Then it got down to the 50s. So you saw him get better with age, which is one of those big things that we really never talk about enough that you always want to see in any draft prospect, right? You can look at that from offensive line, how many pressures allowed three years ago versus two years ago versus last year. And does that number get better, smaller as things go along, right? Do the numbers get larger for receiving yards, uh, passing yards, all that other stuff year after year after year? This was a pretty good measure of that as well, because it's a little bit more of a consistent read on a player's performance passer rating allowed when targeted, as opposed to interceptions or something like that. So I went with TJ Tampa there. Does he replace Marshawn Lattimore? Absolutely not. But does he take care of the need that would be created as the other guys move up and you want to continue to slot in below? 100% yes. All right. So next is we get to all the way down in round four. And just as a refresher for folks that are curious, it's a first round pick and a second round pick for New Orleans. Second round pick, of course, coming over for Denver. The expectation for the compensatory selection is that they'll get one in round four, two in round five. They already have their fifth round pick and then they have a sixth round pick. And then the sixth round pick is like 200 or something like that coming over from Philadelphia. Um, some spots have them credited with a 192 as well. Others don't. I think they don't. I think they only just have the one six round selection, but we'll kind of see if maybe that's, that's tied to some kind of, uh, uh, you know, additional, uh, thing on a previous trade or something like that. Like that might be what that, that number's coming in from, but those are the picks that you should expect the New Orleans Saints to have. And then that fourth round pick takes a while to roll around. You have to wait from 45 to 136. Feels unlikely that New Orleans will wait almost 100 selections to make their picks, uh, but they've proven to be a little bit more patient with Dennis Allen at the helm than they were uh, have been with Sean Payton at the helm, but we'll see. I mean, they've moved up to go and get the guys that they want to go and get, so let's take a look now at uh, where they would sit at 136. So with that selection, I wanted to find a playmaker. I found one. I went and got a new running back out of Troy uh, in uh, Kamani Vidal. Kamani Vidal, uh, ride, running back out of Troy, a little bit shorter than you would expect the New Orleans Saints to go for. Five foot eight, 
218-pound junior. He's a junior, but he'll be at the senior bowl. Remember, they're, they're allowing underclassmen in now. Um, it, like, this is a just an explosive dude, though. Like, I think that, like, you see the height, five foot eight, and and you kind of go, oh, uh, that's that's not really good unless, and whatever that unless is for you, Vidal checks the box, right? Especially if your unless is, unless he's explosive, shifty, and, you know, does a good job with the ball in his hands and is, you know, has breakaway speed. Yes, 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 and yes. Like, he's got all the things. Uh, so I'm really excited. To see more of Kamani over the course of the Senior Bowl, as well as, of course, the Combine. Can't wait to see his 40, all this other stuff as well. This is me drafting him in the fourth round in this mock because he's a running back. I think that's probably a good landing spot for him somewhere in that area. Uh, 4,010 career rushing yards, including over 1,600 just last year. 33 career touchdowns uh, as well, including 14 in 2020. Uh, three, and then he's got 92 career receptions as well. I don't think he's ever top 30 receptions in a year, but that's not really about him. Like this kind of brings us back to the Kendra Miller conversation we kept having last year around like, yeah, he wasn't asked to catch a lot of passes while he was in college, but he caught far less than what Kamani has caught so far throughout his collegiate career. And Vidal is somebody that has that receiving prowess. And again, you want to get the ball in his hands and you want to get the ball in his hands in space. Like that's absolutely his game. And so if you lose a Jamal Williams after this offseason, uh, if you're keeping all three running backs in Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, and Kendra Miller, but you want to start adding folks to that conversation, a Kamani Vidal is one that makes a ton of sense for New Orleans. Um, he's got the, you know, he's got the unless, right? He checks the unless boxes. Uh, five foot eight, not a good pick, unless he does this, that, and the other, like we were just talking about. He absolutely checks all of those boxes. So he is um a really, really athletic, really fast, really like vertical type of a runner as well. One cut guy, uh, makes good moves with the ball in his hands. He's a run after catch threat when you put the ball in his hands in the passing game as well. He's just kind of one of those dudes that has the ability to be a bit, a little bit of a game breaker. Like I'm not going to put him on the same status as like some of the best to come into the business or anything like that. And, and look, he's played at Troy, so level of competition is going to be a little bit of a conversation. Although, like they have played against quality, um, quality programs, no doubt about it. Um, either way, though, I, I just really, really like what a Kamani Vidal could do and what he would look like in a New Orleans Saints uniform in terms of what he could give them as another dynamic that the New Orleans Saints don't currently have. All right, so that gives us our full-on mock drafts there uh, in the first round. Uh, Talisa Fuaga out of Oregon State, uh, six foot six, 234 pound offensive tackle. TJ Tampa out of Iowa State was our second round selection, six foot two, 200 pounds. Um, the corner there. And then Kamani Vidal, the running back out of Troy, five foot eight, 218, explosive uh, young running back. So that's what we've got the New Orleans Saints doing this week. Make sure you come back for another mock draft Monday next week. We're going to start expanding these going beyond just the four rounds. Let's get into the fifth round, get into some more of those compensatory picks all of that as well. Make sure you come back tomorrow as we look at the offensive coordinator candidates and New Orleans Saints should avoid. We appreciate you very much for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Locked on Pelicans, check out Locked on LSU, Caroline Fenton over at Locked on LSU, as well as Jake Madison over at Locked on Pels, getting everything that you need on those Tigers and on those Pelicans. Appreciate you very much for making us a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mobbing them. 
Hit trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.